Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 57th episode, year two. And still going strong here with our assistant coaches. We're going to still take in um, some time to talk to some great assistant coaches, some longtime assistant coaches, some uh, assistant coaches making a great name, great programs. Um, and we're going to stick with Maryland, a longtime high school baseball assistant coach with Bill Burton. Coach Burton has uh, been a longtime assistant coach with the St. Michael Saints where he's helped Coach Femi on multiple state championships. Um, he has uh, been the state assistant coach of the year and uh, voted on by uh, our Maryland State High School Baseball Coach Association. And has uh, it, just been a staple of the program and has done some uh, incredible things. They run a very high-paced pressure offense and – Coach Burton is the offensive coordinator there. And so uh, we dive into a lot of those things and how they are putting pressure on their offense and, and the great things that he likes to do. And really from his background uh, and from his time at uh, Frostburg State University as a player and playing for Bob Wells, uh, we get back into that. And so uh, really a great conversation, a lot of nuts and bolts. If you like talking baseball, you're really going to like this one. Um, he gets right into it, talking some great things. You're looking for something to do uh, base running-wise. You're looking for how to incorporate a much better uh, dynamic warm-up warm up time for your first 20 minutes of practice. This is the one for you. Uh, Coach Burgeon just kind of dives in and gets all that information out, and we just roll. And uh, this is one that I just couldn't believe that we were already an hour, and um, we had covered a lot, and we just we just kept on going one thing after the other. And, um, you know, so it's, there's a lot of great notes here, a lot of great notes, a lot of great nuggets. Um and uh, it was just really nice, really, really, really great conversation. And um, can't thank Coach Burton enough. Um, so again, Coach Bill Burton, uh, assistant coach at St. Michael's in St. Michael's, Maryland, has done a tremendous job. And uh, it's no wonder that you know these guys is just always one of the forefront tops in the state. Um, you know, Coach Burton been there 20, 20 years, and um, you know just doing some great things. So. Um, Without further ado, I want to get right into this. Hope you guys enjoyed. I know I did. And uh, can't, Coach Burton, I can't thank you enough for taking some time. And so without further ado, here he is, Coach Bill Burton. Yeah, there's another guy uh, that was the head coach at Easton High, and they fired him for political reasons and uh, put in their own guy. And he came down and started coaching with us. He's he's actually the third base coach. So it's Donnie Gal, myself. Um, this guy's name is Zach Wallace. He's really good. Um, he, he does the catching. So Brian, it's just really good about delegating. And, uh, that's where it makes, um, you know, makes everybody feel comfortable is that everybody has their own thing. And then he reaches out, like, you know, makes it clear that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for your input here. What are your thoughts? You know, what mm-hmm. do you think we ought to do? You know, mm-hmm. and then and almost like an Indian chief, he sort of sits back and says, you know, OK, now that I've spoken to everybody, this is the way it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, definitive answer. But he wants the input from every from every angle. And then, you know, he'll say, this is what I'm thinking. What do you guys think of that? And so it's it's a really healthy environment. Yeah, and sure. I, I just told him that as long as you're going to do it, I'll be your assistant. And uh that started in 
2002. Yeah. So, um, of course, we, we've known each other since we were, well, I was 15. I guess he was 18. He's three years older than I am. Okay. And uh, we met uh, in the bowling alley of all places. But uh, Brian uh, is well, an uh, amazing bowler. I mean, many 300 games and wow. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Didn't and know he that. was he was a nose tackle for James Madison University. I bet you didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. He played uh, in the um, in the eighties with some really good, uh, you know, some football, and and that's kind of helped his baseball too because he had these these concepts that go back to Bob Wells. I'm sure you've heard that name, yeah. Frostburg oh, yeah. State legend legendary, um, and Wells was a big influence in the Cumberland area. And, uh, and in fact, you know, all statewide, I would say, um, in terms of, you know, he's sort of like our baseball Jesus, you know, Freddie Krieger has said that before, you know, and, um, you know, <laughs> he's, a Freddie Krieger uh, comment. absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the idea here is that, you know, he was doing all of these inventive things and then Brian was bringing this football stuff which was more, you know, station drills kind of keep everybody moving. And uh, it was just a great marriage, right person, right philosophies uh, at the right time. Um, and, you know, we still see incredibly the people who are out there and they take, uh, you know, they take, they do BP, they do in and out, and then they go home. And, and, and somehow they're able to field a team. Mm-hmm. But it's just not fair to the kids, you know. Brian's idea is to is to keep the kids moving. Yeah, and it seemed like you share that. Like, is that something that you came in with, you know, sharing that philosophy, or is it something you grew just like helping him out? And then, absolutely, this is the way to do it. Well, I saw how he had everybody moving, and you know, you just you just don't want people standing in lines waiting to do something because that's repetitions lost. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all about the number of game speed, competitive repetition is what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. As many opportunities for that to happen in a two hour period as you can as you can make. And you being and you being like your offense, you're like the offensive coordinator there for uh, for St. Michael's. Like what are some of the best ways like, you know, so like how are you challenging hitters like in a game like manner? Like what are some of the things you like to do like practice wise? OK, so. um the biggest thing in our eyes is, um, you know, sort of what are you thinking about in that, you know, 15 to 30 second range in between pitches, because that's going to have a big um, uh, impact on um, the outcome of whatever that, you know, whatever that pitch is. So like, for example, if you're in the field, you know, are you thinking about, okay, ground ball, slow roller to me, I'm going to, I'm going to go to second, you know, or, you know, um, if you're in the batter's box, I've got, uh, you know, are you, you know, what are you looking for? Are you attacking? Are you defending, you know, based on the count? Um, and so there's a whole lot of, um, um, if you think about it in terms of just basic hitting, just the structure of it, the mental aspect of that. And then, um, so we'll do, okay, all the way up until two strikes, you're in an attack mode. Anything that comes in a little box, which is slightly smaller than the actual strike zone, because uh, you don't want to be swinging at pitchers' pitches at that, you know, in that time frame with the 
with less than two strikes. So we'll have drills, you know, the station is, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to be throwing, you know, pitch after pitch that are like 2-0 or 2-1. It's something other than um, a two strike count. You're ahead in the count. Mm-hmm. Right. For a hitter, that's all that really matters. And nothing changes until you get two strikes. Right. And then at that point, you're defending a bigger box, slightly larger than the actual strike zone. And you can't just tell a kid this, you know, he's got to practice it. He's you've got to throw balls on the border, you know, pitches on the border from 30, 45 feet or whatever. And you've got to say, you know, you know, why did you swing at that? You know, I'm challenging you on that. You know, was that in your little box? Was that in your big box? And, you know, they'll come, you know, they'll come clean on you and say, you know, I was just whack. I was just wailing, you know. Um, so much of BP is just like seeing the ball and hit and hitting the ball. But really, we want you to think about, OK, is that a pitch that I want to even. So strike zone discipline is huge for us. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you will. Do you guys chart that at all? Do we guys chart that to see how you guys do in the game? You know, uh, this is the first time I saw that a chart that you could uh, you could do that. I mean, I always make mental notes, but um, I think it was something that I saw on your Twitter feed, maybe that you had a chart. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who had posted it there for you, or maybe it was probably swooped in. Probably swooped in, and then I did a one that was like based off of that. But yeah, Matt Swope from Maryland had had one a decision making chart. Oh, and I think then Chuck did Chuck box. I had one as yeah. well, but yeah, I mean, like if like for me, it was just as simple as had a guy behind there, had a guy that was looking to help and he stood behind the backstop and it was like, did you swing at strikes? Did you take the balls? Just simple as that. Yep. Yeah. And that's a very, very similar principle. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we rep that uh, as much as we, you know, like for example, if we're swinging on a lot of, uh, curveballs in the dirt with two strikes we will have you know a two count a two strike uh you know drill station you know good i'm just thinking like i was thinking like when you say station wise is this a station like mm-hmm. during bp like at home plate when you're doing that or are you talking like station like at the cage kind of station hitting wise hitting stations yeah, we'll have a lot a group on the field hitting live. Yeah, we'll have uh, a cage station or two. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we'll have a bunning station, mm-hmm. so it's nothing but a hitting circuit, right? right. Um, but my favorite is competitive BP, where we'll have a live group, a cage group, two shag groups, and a base running group. Okay. So there's like four people in a station four people in a group and and you'll have two groups in the field shagging Mm -hmm. so you've got eight you got eight players in the field and they're at positions you know real live positions and so every swing gets graded every you know if there's a great hustle play a, a, a great catch um, there's nobody running any bases uh hitters wise i mean until um uh, the last swing of that guy. And then he would actually try to advance, you know, from home plate where they would play the situation live. 
but um, that is a, that's a competitive BP, which is just fantastic in terms of just, you just see so much defensively, offensively, and then base running. That's where the hitters actually get live reps. Mm -hmm. So a good example of that would be, we've got a guy, we've got a group at second base. That's where they're stardom. Uh, we'll call it, I call it Island reads. So nobody at third, nobody at first, it's just you on an Island right? Less than two. What do you do on a ground ball to the pull side for a right-handed hitter? You know, the, the third base side. Mm -hmm. um, what if it's hit right at you? What if it's hit um, towards the second baseman uh, on the ground? So that's a read, you know, you got to make sure that, you know, ground ball to shortstop, you can't break towards third. Mm -hmm. You know, even at the pro level, those guys are still doing that. And it's an easy, you know, catch and throw to third base, tag that guy out. Um, but you got to practice it. Mm -hmm. Everything that you ask the kid to do, you can't just say, uh, well, we shouldn't have to work on that, you know? So uh, we're, we're doing those types of reads, um, infield line drive, break back, you know, it's not enough to freeze. You have to actually break back. Cause if the, if the second baseman, if you're at second and you've done your primary lead, then you've secondary and you actually broke towards third on the infield line drive you're out you've got to be going back on an infield line drive if it gets through you're gonna at least get third maybe score anyway um and if you if you um and if it gets caught if you're breaking back then you could be safe there mm -hmm. so it's just, okay, so that's the base running. That's the base running part of the competitive BP. And you can see how much we can accomplish just in, you know, 45 minute, 50 minute segment. That's it. Just, just one clarifying thing about that. Like, will, mm -hmm. your, will your group, do you like to have your group that's hitting? Is that a group? And the group on the bases, is that a group? Or is like the hitting group also like the last guy is also the base runner? Uh, yeah, so the hitting group would stay together. Okay. There's four guys. And then you have the base running group at second. Like, right. you got like four and guys all at second base, right? Okay, right. just wanted to clarify so, on that. So Coach Femi would say something like, live to shag, shag to cage, yeah. cage to base running, right? right? And then it's just a rotation like that. So mm -hmm. that's a great thing. But, you know, the getting back to, you know, how, what are we doing in the cage? Well, it's just nothing but, O2s, or maybe we're we're changing we're changing the situation. So we'll work a count. The first pitch is OO. I threw a ball, so now it's 1-0. You know, tried to get him to swing at something that he shouldn't have. So now it's two. He took it. So now it's 2-0. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so um he's not he's actually he's he's burning a lot of calories just thinking about it. He's mm -hmm. not really just wailing, 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 wailing. Now, sometimes, you know, hey, all right, so the count's 2-1. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm thinking I'm thinking attack, and I'm thinking little box. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, just feed him those balls and let him wail on that. But then throw one right, you know, a pitcher's pitch, right on the corner, low and outside. Did he just go in automatic mode and swing at that? Because you see, you know, a lot of uh, defensive hacks in situation on a 3-1 pitch. You know, that, that kid should have been, you know, just waiting for something in his happy zone. Right. So just to re so just to reiterate, yeah. review like uh you guys will you guys you like to have counts all the time. Like basically every day you guys are working in some type of count. So guys are understanding what they're looking for in certain situations. 
Right. And that would be maybe the, that would be in the cage. We would never okay. do that on the live group. And we want the live group to just, you know, get loose and. So like, okay. So like, if you're just on the Island, read the second base, we'll like, yeah. will you be looking to have your guys hitting like for the first round, maybe like hit ground balls, like just be a pure ground ball round, or are you still just like getting them free? Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, that's not really the focus. The really, the focus is, Hey, this is, these are the decisions on the base paths that decide the game. And so you got to practice it. And it's just reading a live batted ball, you know, a pitch that's thrown and a, and a ball that's hit, you know, what did it do? And you've, and a lot of times you've got actual fielders so you can judge the depth of the fly, you know, should I be going halfway or should I be tagging all of those types of decisions at second base? It's a lot of fun because it's for us, it's totally dependent on the number of outs in terms of what you're doing. Obviously two, two outs, you're not tagging, but should you tag if it's, you know, um, medium deep uh, left field or, you know, those types of things, you want the guy to actually see it, look at the angle. And then of course, my favorite is when the ball is struck, if you've seen enough ball that when that ball struck, you can tell that is over the infield, Mm -hmm. but in front of the outfield, just from that way it comes off the bat. And I see so many guys just hanging at second, hanging at second. And, you know, and I'm standing there going, it's going to drop. It's over the infield in front of the outfield, right? How quickly can you recognize it? Well, they get better and better and better the more they see it. You can't just rely on the game to give them that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that goes back to the reps, you know, just as many reps as you can get, um, and, you know, if you like that base running stuff, the guy at second, he, he makes the right read on a ground ball. Let's say it was a slow roller to the right side. He advances to third. He broke properly on yeah. an island read. Now he's at third. Is everything that's above his belly button, he should be going back. Why on earth are we breaking towards home on balls hit to the outfield? You, at the, you know, if you go back right? You can, you're, you're going to tag and you're going to score, right? And if it gets through, um, if it's dropped, you're going to, you're going to, even if you went back and tagged, you're still going to score because you're only 90 feet away. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that we're working on that. And then sometimes we're working on like, like a contact play at third. So any ground ball, any ground ball, you're going, you mean even a one hopper back to the mound, well, mm, you know, then we get into the gray area, you know, okay, that would be called a kiss, kiss of death and you want to stop getting a rundown so the hitter can get to second, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but again, it's something that you we're not asking our kids to do anything that we haven't, um, you know, Marked prepped on. them for. Yeah. So will you take certain days or like, will it, will it just be like, okay, we're only doing island reads. So like once you make the read, you get back in line or is it like, okay, then just go to third and we're just going to work on it there. Well, the way it usually works is the first couple of days we'll only do one read. So mm-hmm. everybody's reading yeah. it second yeah. and then, and then we'll gradually merge to you go from second to third to first, where maybe you're doing a hit and run or a steel jump. Yeah. And we're always taking a peek in to see what the hitter does. Um, um, 
we don't do a hit and run versus a run and hit. They're all hit and run, or they're all run and hits to us, unless we've given a hit and run sign. So they're all, we're not going to take the, the bat out of the hands mm -hmm. of, of a hitter um, just because this guy wants to steal. So he's all, he's running towards second in a steal. He's got to sneak a peek at the plate, maybe two arm pumps and a peek. Um, just to see, I want to see the ball off the bat. So many people wait for that, the ball to be batted. Okay. You hear the ting and now you're trying to find it. Well, of course, you know, high level, uh, defensive teams are going to deke the hell out of you. Right? right. And then, you know, um, even if you're not, even if they're not, the ball's hit behind you, you don't know it. You should be rounding second and headed to third. And you just cost us 90 feet because you didn't sneak a peek. It's got to become a habit, you know, and it, a there's a lot of old habits that you're trying to break down. Mm -hmm. So that's at first, uh, Island reads at second and then maybe, um, uh, change it up is a play that we call uh, at third base where they're, we just take the read out of it and you're going on any ground ball back on anything above your belly button. I love so, that back on above, like above the belly button. That's a cool, that's a cool visual, man. Like that is, that is really neat. I've never, I've never heard that ball above your belly button. Get back. That's pretty cool. That's thanks. cool. That is super yeah. cool. Yeah. That's, that's neat, man. I, I, that's good. As Steve Springer said, I'll give you that one, but then I might use that. To that. <laughs> That's cool, man. Ball above your belly button, get back. That's cool. Yeah. But I, I do like that. You saw it typically you hear like freeze and line drive. I'm like, no, you better get back or you're out. Yes. Like, you better be yes. getting back. Period. Simple. Ball above your belly button, get back, especially at third base. Third base. Yep. That's good. Third base. That's cool. So, oh, coach, it's great, man. This is great stuff. Um, So I, I like how you said, like, it sounds like too, like, hey, here's what we do. Here's what happens a lot in the game. We're just going to focus on these things. Like we're going to do the run and hits. We're going to do your island reads because this is what happens with win games. And they're really going to put like our one or two plays that we do a third. It sounds like you're only doing basically what's kind of in your system during practice. Yeah, we're um, we're focused on making uh, we're never going to put a kid in a situation where um, we're expecting him to do something we haven't repped, even though we think we might work. You know, it's like, we really hadn't repped that, you know, mm -hmm. what if this happens? So this is stuff that we talk about even between innings, you know, cause now it, the chess match has begun. Um, we're going to make this move. They make this move. Now, what do we do? Well, with this kid, we can't do that. You know, those types of things. And uh, you know, well, okay, well, but we haven't repped it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what Brian would say. <laughs> That's my, I think only great coaches, man. Great coaches will definitely say that. I'm not going to expect anyone, even good leaders. You're not going to expect certain things without, you know, leading from example and having, yeah. having done it and practice and put yourself in that situation. You know, it's awesome. Typically you guys are really aggressive, even like you talk about the run and hit a little bit. Um, and just kind of with base running, um, when you're stealing bags, like how, how do you even work on that? So it's like during VP, you're talking about really just reading the bat of the ball. What about when it comes to base running? Actual like steals. Actually yeah. stealing, okay. like stealing okay. the so, pitcher and things like that. Um, we've actually made it kind of a part of the warm-up, you know, the the oh yeah, yeah. Where people are you're usually standing in a circle and maybe, mm -hmm. you know, stretching their fingers or whatever they do, you know. Um, we're making it more of a dynamic thing. And then uh we will do some, you know, traditional uh was it the plyometrics is the right word or not i don't know they're they're jumping jacks and 
you know, skipping and those types of things. And then um, we'll go right into four groups. And so, and one of the groups is, you know, I've got a group at first base. Coach Femmes has a group at second base, um, third base, working on a sprint lead, uh, trying to cover the suicide. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, every play looks like a suicide if you're sprint lead on a windup. And so we'll sprint, stop, and then give them something to read at third. Uh, While over here at first, we're doing something um, um, base running wise in terms of, and Coach Femi's doing the same thing at second, but essentially, you know, we've got, we've got fake steals to work on. Um, We love the fake steal because if you're doing it right, there's no risk to us at all. And it puts a ton of pressure on the defense. Um, And, and that's what we really are about putting pressure on the defense, but it goes back to, you know, have we repped it? Are the kids comfortable? Cause you're, if, if you, if they're not comfortable, then you're actually putting pressure on yourself mm-hmm. and not the defense, you know? So um, getting back to steel jumps. So steel jumps in a righty versus steel jumps on a lefty. Um, we might be tempted to go with uh, first move on those big lefty long, leg lifts mm-hmm. um, and and be safe whether he picks or goes home and just help kids understand that it's okay to go when he lifts that front foot. You know, it's the, the are, are you sure coach B? I mean, can we really do this? Yeah, you can do that. Cause a lot of it's new to a lot of kids, right? Mm-hmm. So they got to see it. They got to see it. And sometimes we'll sneak in a gun, you know, a gunslinger move. Um, and they were, they were stealing on first move, but it's the first move with the front foot, not the back foot on the rubber, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, get yourself together. So, all right. So let's get back to stealing the base. Um, we're doing a lot of things with, you know, that that position that the kids get themselves into where it's hard to get around their front foot. So they end up picking it up and then putting it back down. And sometimes they put it back down closer to first base than they than it was towards second base. That that whole three tenths of a second is geared to turning your hip and getting you moving in the right direction. Well, why don't we just cut our lead down a little bit and, and get in more of a sprinter stance, cut your primary lead. If that's what you're really going to dedicate three tenths of a second to that, then turn your hips and get ready to run towards second. Mm. So, so think about my, my left toe as a base Mm -hmm. runner at first is pointed at third. Mm-hmm. And my right toe is kind of like at the shortstop or maybe even second base itself. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of cocked your feet. Sure. And then, yep. And then, you know, uh, we're starting our hips up high and we're sinking uh, to get some artificial movement. As the pitcher is holding, I'm sinking my hips and I'm really dropping uh, my weight into my front knee so that I can get a really nice crossover step. Cause I don't want to pick that foot up and put it back down. I want to cross over with my left foot towards second base. And then we also are using um, something that we picked up at one of those conventions, um, the Cherry Hill Clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy speaking there from Wright State. And his name is uh, Matt Tellerico. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about the vault and, mm-hmm. you know, the one shuffle vault and the, the two vault thing. Um, we had a lot of success with that. Um, and that's where, you know, in, I guess the, 
the the story that I like to tell is that you know we we started trying it with some of my more our more athletic kids go to an Easter tournament. Mount St. Joe has a catcher that's 188 going to Wake Forest like they always do, right? Yeah. And uh, and and so we get a runner at, at first base uh, in the first inning, and he goes, you know, he's first pitch, he just time him, you know, shuffle, shuffle, missed it, comes back to the base. So at, when you go shuffle, shuffle, and the pitcher hadn't committed, you're just going to stop there. And, yeah. and you're in the same position as you would have been um, you know, had you just gotten a normal primary lead. And mm-hmm. so second pitch, he went shuffle, shuffle, pitcher picked his foot up and went home just at exactly the right time. And our guy slides without a throw. It, it, it's like we did the math. It's like four to f- uh, five tenths of a second faster. If you've got momentum towards second base, when, when this guy, when the guy makes his move to the yeah. plate, even if you only get one shuffle, the momentum that you've gained, uh, it's the vertical distance is not that important. It's the momentum. If you've mm-hmm. got one shuffle's worth of momentum towards second base, in almost all cases, you're going to be safe. So what has it done? Is it it's made like your your Oompa Loompas who are 4-0 from a 12-foot primary lead, they're now a stealing threat. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we're in a drill station, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing with these kids for five minutes. And then they go to second base and then they do, I don't know, looks, um, you know, he's, he looks at you once he looks at the plate, he looks at you again, and then he looks back at the plate and then he goes to the dish. Well, the kid has to see that it's okay to start going towards third. If he's taken his two looks and you've got him categorized as a two look guy, you know, Absolutely. He, it's, it's okay. Oh, and uh, the dogs, the dog is in agreement too. That's he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, um, and then they get over to third base. They're doing, you know, some kind of third basey thing. But the, the idea here is, you know, just within that, um, you know, that's that, that, I guess it would be maybe 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. We've done a whole ton, ton. of base running stuff. And all we were doing was warming up. Mm-hmm. You know, we never, we don't, we don't keep them there. You know, I'm coming set. If I've got a group at first, I'm coming set and then I'm pitching or I'm coming set and I'm picking and now they're diving and getting up and then I'm going to the plate and then they're breaking and the next group in, you know, and we usually have three guys, maybe two or three guys going at once. Mm-hmm. So just keep it know, moving. Yeah. Like you said, people in action, people moving, people moving, keep them in action. No, that's great stuff, man. And then at third base, you're probably working your contact plays or, you know, above the belly button plays. Third yeah. base. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. We want them to be able to. All right. So we'll also have an island at third. Right. So um, if it's like man on third, nobody at first, nobody at second and ground ball in the infield. Um, we, we're trying to take gray area out of it and we'll say something like, you know, it is, it is de- largely dependent on the defense. Um, is the defense back? Cause now we can go on every ground ball. Are they up on the corners, which is, you know, very common deep in the middle, up on the corners. Then now you're looking for that ground ball that's in the middle of the field, but no kiss of death, right? That's the one, two hopper back to the mound. You can't go on that ball. So 
you know, again, it needs practice. You can't just say, oh, Billy, you shouldn't run on that. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to have, you know, you have to have it part of the game plan. So with that, so you said four groups. Well, you're, will you have a group at the plate that's working on maybe the ground balls there? Or will that be your bunt group that maybe you're trying to bunt a little bit there? Sometimes that, well, it varies. Sometimes that might be somebody who's working on their turns at first. Okay. They're, so they're, they're coming out of the box and they're making a turn. Or maybe that's a group that's sort of like in the um, uh, in shallow left and they're getting fungos on the ground with, uh, with a, a fungo hitter at the dish. Okay. Right? So it's just another place. Sometimes that'll be somebody doing shoulder work with baseballs, you know, depending on, you know, we'll, we might vary that, but we always have three base, three bases, um, on just in the warm-up stations. Right. Well, like you said, that yeah. is part of the warm-up that they're really just warming up and you're getting your legs loose and things like that, but you're just trying to, you know, make it, uh, like kill two birds with one stone kind of deal. Yep. Yep. You know, if we're going to mm-hmm. run, we might as well run the bases. You know, absolutely. No, that's great stuff. So just thinking about like your bunting and stuff. So I know you guys, you know, bunting is a big part of your guys' game as well. You know, and you being the offensive coach, like where, you know, that's another part of base running is even just reading the bunt, let alone putting the bunt yeah. down. Like, yeah. do you like to do that during, you know, like you said, during this BP time, you know, or is that just another, is that a round of BP? Uh, where do you like to incorporate that? That'll be through in the hitting circuits usually. So we'll have uh, multiple groups and one station would be hit. One station would be bunting. So we actually have the diagram on the field, uh, you know, home plate, foul lines, and then about 30 feet down, we'll start these magic boxes, right? The panic zone and the hurry zone. So if you put a bunt in the hurry zone, um, you get a certain amount of points. If you put a bunt in the panic zone, you know, what's, why is it called the, the panic zone? coach B well if you if you put a bun in there the pitcher is going to panic <laughs> you know because a lot of times that's you know that's what we're attacking is the pitcher um and you know it's just such a big thing for us um in terms of putting pressure on the defense um let's say for example you got first and second nobody out pretty much an automatic bunt situation for us because um that guy at third base what is he going to do is he going to charge? Because if he's going to charge, if they've got him charging, then we're probably fake bunting and stealing third. If he's if he's hanging back, now that just it's open license. If you they're they're essentially saying, can you put it in this box? Mm-hmm. And so we spend about fifteen minutes a day um, on bunting. I would say pretty much every day, not every day, but pretty much every day, we will work that much um, for every kid. And it's you know they get one or two bunts they. They pop it into the box um, and then they go to first base. Okay. At this little bunt station. Right. And now they're reading the picture. Don't get your, you know, don't get your, um, don't turn your hips and start running to second until you see the bunted ball on a downward plane. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. you don't have to wait for it to hit the ground, but it has to be going on a downward plane then you can make your break, right? So that's where you get that. And we're also sneaking in a little bit more base running down there too, as well. For example, the lefty, when nothing is on and he's got a good move, right? So he's picking up his leg um, and then he's going to go to the plate 
oh, but wait, he's picking. Now you're at the bunt station and you're having to concentrate on making sure a lefty is going to the plate. Not just, I think he's going home, but actually going home. So um, the bunter is the bunt. He'll, he'll go to first. Maybe he'll go to second also and get another read. And then they come around. Maybe they're at third base now and they're going to try to score on a suicide or maybe they're going to, we're going to do a safety there. Lots of safeties at St. Michael's with first and third. Um, but uh, you know, and then they come to bunting. So, so the four guys in the group, they're either base running or they're bunting. They're, there's no waiting around. Mm -hmm. And so bunt, run, 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 bunt, run, 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 bunt, run, 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 bunt. Why did you bunt that, Billy? Uh, it was a ball. You know, I shouldn't have been bunting that. And, uh, and I'm going to do better at selecting it. But the idea is, you know, we're never trying to make an out on purpose to move and advance a runner. We're trying to get a hit. Mm -hmm. Right. We're trying to put pressure on the defense. And, and, and I have to emphasize, it doesn't matter how fast the guy is. If he can put it 30 to 45 feet near the baseline, he's going to be safe. Even if the guy's playing up, it's amazing. And then, you know, you factor in, okay, um, there is the percentage of the guys who can do that, you know, uh, seven, eight, We'd like to get them to nine times out of 10. Well, then I like those ads a whole lot. And then when you factor in the fact that, you know, there's a good chance that that third baseman is going to throw it in the woods over there. Right. So now all of a sudden you've got the chance that there's going to be some kind of error, uh, a mental breakdown on the defense, just so much pressure just with this one little play. And, uh, and it's just a real shame that, you know, for some reason, it is it left the game completely. Yeah, it's it, at the higher levels. It's definitely, um, yeah, a lot different. You know, for sure. I mean, yeah, it still plays a lot. I've I've been known um, a couple of guys that I got to be able to, to meet this year and have on the podcast. You know, the West Coast baseball is still very alive in the West Coast. You know, like so, those West Coast guys right still run a very, you know, and that's what's funny though. Like, because like the more that I got to talk to them, like, look, man, like there's a lot of guys that I know like in our area, you know, I think we play some pretty good baseball, especially cause you got to do what you want with your clientele in high school that we run. I, I think there's definitely a lot of West coast offense, even kind of around here, you know, like you guys basically run like almost a West coast style of offense, right? You're not really Middletown when they went state championship, they hit, they had, I think, a, I think one home run all year. Like they're a, they were a, basically a West coast style of offense. You know, it was just mm -hmm. a, it's just, it's just different, you know, like you, I, I, I guess just the way that you, we describe it around here, but um, you know, it, it's definitely a, a very, um, very tough way. And you want like you said, you want to put pressure on defense. You know, I hear a lot of coaches talk about pressure bursts pipes, you know, like those, those kind of things. <laughs> Um, you know, but well, I mean, Trey, if we had nine guys that could hit it out of the yard, like some of these, you know, higher level, you know, of course, I'm right. going to let them swing away. Right. Uh, it's not, it's a no brainer, but How there are, you... there are times even in those games, you know, wet at those oh, yeah. levels, you need to get the guy to second base Absolutely. Uh, or, you know, first and second, nobody out, man. We love the bunt. Absolutely. Bunt for hit. Love the bunt for hit. Right. You know, and it's definitely something that I think as a young, you know, like my son's young and 10, it's always a, it's always a, you know, um, a decision you're working like, you know, how much do you develop the swing and how, like, when are you really just trying to put bunting into their game? Because, you know, they're young and you're really just trying to get, get them reps and, 
have them understand their swing. So when they come into your program and you being the offensive coordinator and yeah. and with Femi and they know how much you guys bond, like how, what is the transition period like when people come in knowing the kind of system you want to put in place with, with some, with bunting the ball? Yeah. So the biggest thing there is, um, a lot of it has to do with how much time in a public school, how much time do you really have with this kid to actually get him to change his swing? If he's, if he's got issues Um, the whole time we're working, you know, we do have a station where we're, we're working mechanics more focused in the cage or uh, on the field. Um, But uh, um, it's going to be a situation where, Hey, you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. So maybe the mental the, the mental side is where you're able to get um, um, the, mo- the the greater return on your investment in terms of time with a public high school in Maryland um, the the mental side so that's the the strike zone awareness we will not chase kind of mindset but also you know adding these other kind of skills into your you know other than other than you know being able to drop a bunt there's not a lot of things that we're asking the kid to do well we're we're not saying go inside out on hit and run we just want the kid to take a regular hack at a good pitch um you know those types of things um but yeah, we're going to work mechanically on them. Just make sure that they're, you know, getting the, uh, well, trying to get them to get the barrel of the bat into the strike zone and or into the hitting zone or on the plane of the pitch, I guess is the right way to say it, uh, and keep it there as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and Coach Femi's really good at that. He spends a lot of time on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be his station during the during the site during the hitting cycle yeah it seems um, like you guys well you got I me mean, you guys fortunate enough to have a coach at each at each station like are you basically trying to have your head on a swivel with with two or are you basically pretty fortunate to have everybody at one station yep um there's always a coach at a station so um maybe we're, maybe this day we're have um we have just four because we only have four coaches maybe um we're practicing with the JVs today. So now we've got everybody together and now we can add more groups um, based on the fact that we've got two more coaches, those types of things. Okay. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but oh, it uh, is. Yeah, like, you, gotta, so, you gotta have a grown up there to making sure they're doing the right yeah. thing. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just sometimes, you know, tough and life happens when you might not get it's yeah. the heart of the life of a high school coach, you know, for me yes. having to wear so many different hats because you know, life happens guys might not be there and it's hard to get to practice at four 30 or, you know, when you're trying to run practice for people that work, um, you know, so it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's just something that high school coaches have to deal with for sure. Oh man. Um, great stuff, coach. Great stuff. Um, man, like, so just looking at, um, you know, your time at St. Michael's, um, you know, what you've been able to, you know, been a part of with St. Michael's, like what's some of the, like the, the lessons, I guess you could say almost that you've kind of learned, you know, through this, through your time there. Well, um, I would like to say something about coach Wells and, you know, uh, the influence that he's had on my life, even before I got to Frostburg, he was, um, influencing these other coaches around and I had gotten one of these guys who had played for Wells in the 60s right and so we were running all of these 
you know, crazy plays and, you know, the, the, the whole, um, you know, being able to score runs without hits essentially uh, and just using, you know, well, it's just good base running, um, base running and baseball skills, um, all the philosophies. And, you know, I, where'd you get this coach Wells? And he was like, you know, I got this from the Negro leads, you know, the research that I've done, this is the way they played. And um, these are the types of things that would carry over and, you know, um, and would be successful in the way that they played against one another. And so, um, you know, it's just kind of a neat, history that that would be something that would um, get ingrained with me as a teenager before I got there because I was playing for this coach who had been under Wells and so when I went to um, Frostburg I ended up using essentially the same playbook and then when I bumped into Brian Femi and he said he was coaching high school baseball in in uh, St. Michael's Maryland I said, um, he says, I used the Frostburg State Playbook. And I hmm. said, well, I played at Frostburg. And, and he said, well, we sure would like to have you down. And, you know, um, you know, I hadn't seen him in, I don't know, 20 years. Um, and so one thing led to another. I went to my boss the next day and I said, this is what I want to do. And he said, I don't care when you, when you get your work done, as long as you get it done, you can do this in the afternoons in the spring <laughs> and uh, it's changed my life forever, really, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, the, the fact that the, it, it, I only know this one type of baseball, you know, I've never been around anything other than that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and it started when I was a young kid and then the, as far as the things that I've learned while there, um, well, I started for the, the reason I started was for the baseball itself. Um, but what I found was this was really about relationships, about, you know, um, there's a lot of kids out there who need some sort of, um, you know, support. Um, a lot of times they don't have a parent figure there. Um, and you can be, you know, kind of a sounding board for all kinds of weird stuff that, that goes through their heads on a regular basis. You know, if you're just listening and you're paying attention, you know, um, it, and now I can go through the town of St. Michael's and, you know, I'll, I'll hear, hey, Coach B from the other side of the road. And it's a player, a former player, or maybe a parent of a former player, you know, it's just... Uh, it's about it's about relationship building and uh, and just doing the right thing for the kid, you know the the what Coach Femi is doing and I like to think I'm a part of it is that uh, it's sort of like a a lighthouse that is you know you know the morals and the principles you know leave it better than you found it kind of thing like when we go to a restaurant after a game and we're having a post game meal you know leave this restaurant better than you found it you know, leave this dugout better than you found it, pick up those gum wrappers, you know, all of those types of things. And then when they get into later on in life, and then it's about, um, you know, we want those kids to be, to grow up, to be, you know, contributors to the community, good fathers, good parents, good husbands, you know, those types of things. Have you given them the lighthouse that they can, you know, they're out in the, 
ocean and they're rowing or the lake and they're rowing the boat, can they occasionally look back and see the lighthouse shining the beacon, you know, to help you guide you back to where you need to be? You know, I heard him one time, he said, uh, we were, we were getting a bite to eat and somebody said, Hey coach, how's the team going to be this year? And he, without batting an eye, he says, I'll tell you in 20 years, yeah. that's what he's referring to is, you know, did they grow up? Are they going to grow up to be good people? Mm-hmm. And so that's really what it's about. And, uh, the baseball secondary just happens to be the tool that we're using to teach it. Absolutely. That's well said, very well said. And, couldn't agree. You've definitely been a part of that, Coach. That's for sure. Thanks. For sure. Thanks. Yeah, man. Makes you feel um, good when you think about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure it does. You know, impacting a lot of lives, man. Absolutely. You know, so like speaking of Coach Femi, so uh, I'm working for, a you know, a great guy like him. You know, like you said, as long as he'll do it, you'll be there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you – what would what kind of advice would you give for other head coaches – you know, for like the lessons that you learn from him or like what he does so well with you that allows you to stay there and, and kind of grow and, you know, and, and all the kind of, I don't want to say freedom that you have, but like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the absolute authentic, you know, you just have, you have a lot of responsibility in your program. So like what kind of advice would you even give other head coaches? Well, that's a great question. And, uh, and I'd have to say a lot of it is if you're doing the right things, almost, uh, you know, take that last paragraph that I just said and, you know, put it right here in this answer, too, because, um, you know, if your priorities are in the right place, that's going to be a big guiding light. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, getting good people and letting letting them do their job um, and trusting them. Um, and of course, that's that's a tough thing. It's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have a reason to trust them. You got to build that trust over time. Um, and so, um, just letting that happen. Um, but you can't do it all yourself. And so, you know, being the only way you're going to be successful is delegating that stuff. Um, and and then that makes those people feel involved. So. Mm-hmm. That that would be something that I would tell a, a somebody who is like how has how coaching. has that how has that like growth and not like a, a, happened with you and Femi like has that ha- did it happen over like that was it just like hey you you were able to okay he did a little bit of base running and now like oh that we did really well with that okay now we're mm-hmm. gonna like was it just like he kind yeah. uh, almost like as a player like you have a role player like okay I'm gonna yeah. give you this you do this well then then it gets a little bigger is that kind of how. Yeah your situation was? Yeah, that's a great way to put it because, um, yeah, at first, I mean, coming from a Wells background, I knew how to bunt. He said, you know, I want to run, I want you to run this bunt station in 2002. And that's what I did. Uh, he also gave me defensive responsibility. So I was doing bunting and I was, I was doing the outfield, which is, which I still do today. Um, so, um, uh, over time, you know, giving me sort of the keys to the offense and, and letting me, you know, work off the play sheet and, you know, just kind of freestyle and riff a little bit, you know, in terms of uh, you can just sort of feel it like trying to make that cloud um, that, that cloud appear over the horizon uh, on the other team when you can just sort of feel like, Hey, you know, they're starting to come unglued. 
um, and you know the pressure is being applied. You can you can you can just sort of feel it and start put pushing those buttons. Um, Coach Femi has taught me a lot about that. You know, um, taking unnecessary risks uh, and pulling that back off the table and those types of things. You know, he's a mentor to not just the players but also the coaches. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Lots of respect going around, and a lot of coaches that don't even coach for him. That's for sure. Yeah, like this guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. There's a lot of guys he's mentored. That's for sure. That's cool. Even from a distance. Um, awesome. 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 So last thing, last thing, just kind of wrapping things up here, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a great thing. So you've, you've been in the game almost your, nearly your whole life. What is something, you know, like back in 2002, let's say what that you wish that you know now that you wish you knew when you started. Something that you know now that you wish mm-hmm. you knew when you got started? Well, I was afraid this part of the interview might uh, become a repeat session. So uh, yeah, this no would way. go back. This would, this would go back to the, um, you know, the relationships uh, and, and how, you know, I really overlooked that part. Um, and it took, you know, maybe it happens to everybody as they get older to be able to look back and reflect that, hey, you know what, I could have been a better teammate or, um, you know, uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't putting as much um, emphasis on the relationships um, that, and I wish I had been, at least on the playing side. And then even, you know, when I started coaching, um, I coached an um uh, uh, an adult baseball in an adult baseball league there for uh, maybe four or five years. Um, when I got to high school and then, you know, started to realize that, Hey, you know, this is really what it's about. So that's the, um, that's the direction I'm going to head on that in terms of the things that I wish that I had known before would be more on, you know, putting an emphasis, a greater emphasis on the relationship. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now, there's definitely nothing wrong with hitting that again. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I agree. That's awesome. That's awesome stuff. I really appreciate it. Uh, Coach, is there anything else that you want to kind of send us off on, you know, kind of, and, 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 and uh, anything else that you feel like you'd like to touch on before we get rolling here? Cause this has been great, man. This has been awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I might want to add, uh, Well, while you're thinking too, like I'm yeah. thinking, like what's the mm-hmm. uh, you because you were all, you're awesome about email. Uh, is that probably the best way? Like, let's say someone was talking about your competitive mm-hmm. BP and things like that. Would would the best way for people to reach out to you be would be email? Yep, absolutely. And of course, I don't know if you guys do much Facebook. Uh, St. Michael's Saints have a, a a pretty decent Facebook page in terms of their baseball team. So um, you could get us that way, St. Michael's Saints baseball uh, on Facebook. Um, that's a good way to get us, or you can definitely contact me directly, uh, either by email or by phone. If you want to do that for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, what's your, um, oh, I'll just, I can put your email here. Do you want to say, okay. go ahead and say your email? Sure. I'm at, I'm bill.burton at dasis.com. It's uh, D as in dog, A as in apple, C as in Charlie, I S as in sam.com. Got it. B.burton at Dasis. Mm-hmm. And you want to put you want to put your uh, phone number out there? Sure, four one zero. Got it. Area code four one zero two five three nine zero three one. 
Got it. Awesome. Yep. So yeah, just anything with like your base running stuff or competitive BP, you guys just rock and roll through it. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you know, the the buzzword this year is creating chaos. That's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just um, we we want to we want our kids to be comfortable um, when we when it's uh, the rubber meets the road we want them to uh, be able to attack and defend you know those are the big big types of things at the dish you know you're attacking Uh, you see so many kids um, you know kind of a defensive um, in in situations where they they should be offensive and vice versa you know you need to be very defensive once you get two strikes and uh and so that is a mindset. That's a that's a whole kind of just you know working on it and having all the coaches speaking or singing to the same sheet of music is just clutch. You know, mm-hmm. if they're hearing it from me, you know, but they don't ever hear it from Femi or Gal or Wallace, then then maybe it's just Coach B that feels that way. But if everybody's talking about the same things, uh, using the same terminology, um, then you know that's going to help change that mindset for that kid. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. speaking of that, just giving another thought and getting your perspective on this. Yeah. Is like, let's say you do, and let's say you believe in that. Well, let's even say that the assistants do, but let's, and I'm not saying Coach Femi does, but I'm saying, is it also important? Do you feel like it's like that Femi also has to reiterate what you guys are also, what an assistant coach also preaches, you know, because like if, yeah. If, if the if the guy in charge doesn't believe this or doesn't say yes. this, do you yes. find it doesn't have much value? Yes, I do. Yep. It's, so he's uh, got a ba- he's got to back you guys in, in yep. ways too. Yep. And you know, it's something like, hey, coach, I want to do this this year. I want to try this so we can solve that you know problem X Y Z. Um, I'm going to run it through him first so that I do get that backing. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we try something like, you know, dirt balls has been a real disaster area for us. You know, we want to take free 90s when the defense, you know, we can't steal the base and the pitcher is not giving us a category that we can do, you know, kind of a UCLA thing on them. Um, then, you know, we want to be able to dirt ball that, you know, any ball in the dirt, we're gone. But, you know, a lot of times a catcher will just in a dirt ball situation, he'll pick it. And then, you know, now you're going to be out by 15 feet and it looks stupid. So we really, you know, we're talking about, okay, how are we going to fix that? And so, um, you know, well, this year I want to try this, you know, so it becomes like a lab. Um, And uh, I don't want to get down too far into it, but, you know, you've got to have his commitment and he's got to be in agreement with everybody working off that same sheet of music. Sure. Um, yeah. So that would be a situation where it really hadn't worked all that well for us. So dirt balls were just saying, you know, wait for the kick. <laughs> yeah. I have, I think Butch Shavings, Butch Shavings came with a good thing. And I, I I've, I've seen it where it's not like, it's not so much the ball in the dirt is that the catcher's got to move. If the catcher moves left or right, like we're rolling, like you're looking for the catcher to move uh-huh. and you're going. So it's not that he's just dropping into the knees it's yep. like he's now moving to the right or left and we're rolling, you know? So it's more like that. Cause you're typically not going to see a pick when pick he's got to of move right. to the right. He's not mm-hmm. going to go to, if he's going to pick it, he's not moving. He's just going to pick it. He'll just pick it with his hand. Yeah. But if he's got to move, then we're, yeah. we're out of here. So I thought that was, that I, thought that was good. Try. Yeah. I thought that was good. I thought that was a good piece there that you could kind of implement where you could, you could rep that where you could just see a guy just dropping, stay, 
he shifts go he shifts go you know he picks yeah. stay pick stay drop stay shift go you know you could almost rep that yeah uh, but that's well, where he's got to yep. yeah over and over and over for sure um yeah and we've tried going on the you know trying to read the flight of the pitch blah blah right. blah uh, you know it's just but like you said you get us. a you sometimes get the guy that just picks it and you're out um you know, yeah, yeah it's, it's always the bad catcher that does that yeah he should, he should be blocking <laughs> right well coach this has been great man this has been great i really thanks appreciate for invite- the time it's been thanks awesome for inviting me that a lot was of really fun. cool of you a lot of fun yeah. yeah man it's good to connect with you too also coach bill burton st michael's maryland st michael's high school multiple state champion been state assistant coach of the year Spent 20 years, two decades here with the program at St. Michael's, turning into a powerhouse, powerhouse that they are. Wouldn't be without the help of some really consistent, great help like Coach Burton. Um, Just loved our conversation. You talk about the nuts and bolts and really getting down to business. Um, We rolled on some stuff. Man, like Coach Burton, just let it ride. Um, Just loved the quote of anything if third base if i'm running at third base anything above my belly button i'm back simple below the belly button go just simple uh i love it above the belly button get back um you know just uh keeping everybody moving um finding ways to do that inside of inside of a good practice just starting the practice right away you know jeff's gonna talk about getting in the zoo right away you can see that st michael's they get into the zoo right away you're talking base running well yeah we're gonna do a little bit of stretching dynamic warm up we're gonna get into base running we're not just gonna run out in left field go touch the pole and come back nope we're gonna use the time to teach and get better we're gonna put the kids right in the zoo and actually rep it because these guys are walking and being leaders true leaders will not expect things that they haven't trained all right and they haven't they won't expect things that they haven't done themselves and that's exactly what they're preaching and i think that's what they're showing with their actions what they're doing there in practice to their to the young men that are there um so incredible things um loved how he said and he finished it up and we had he like he said he repeated it um but it was worth repeating that this game is about the relationships. He had got started in the, in the game because of the, the, the game and loved baseball and wanted to do that, loved the game, but it came down to being about relationships and about the kids and, and how we're helping them. So I uh, couldn't agree more, and it's exactly what this podcast is about, and it's exactly why I called Coach Burton and uh, looking for uh, continue looking for those great guys that grow the game the right way, looking for it in that manner. So couldn't agree more, and I appreciate him saying those kind of things. And, again, Reach out to Coach Burton for anything else, more specific things that he kind of went over. Bill.Burton, that's B-U-R-T-O-N, at Daxis.com, D-A-C-I-S.com. Bill.Burton at Daxis.com. Again, you can call, text him, 410-253-9031. And again, check St. Michael's Baseball, St. Michael's St. Baseball on Facebook check those guys out so again just doing a tremendous job coach burton can't thank you enough and until next week keep getting better